Welcome to the panel discussion, Managing Mobility to Deliver Anywhere, Anytime Government, sponsored by Mobile Iron. Here's today's moderator, Tom Timmon. Hello, and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Hildy Ferriolo, computer scientist at NIST, Vincent Stridapan, program manager for mobile security R&D at Homeland Security's Science and Technology Directorate, Jake Marcellus, Mobility Portfolio Manager at the Defense Information Systems Agency. Dave Harrity is Associate CIO for Enterprise Infrastructure and Operations at the General Services Administration. And Sean Frazier, Chief Technical Evangelist for the Public Sector at Mobile Iron. Great to have you all here. Mobility is really coming on strong. I think it's been a, a, an effort in the federal government now for several years. But uh, we're moving from the age of email and messaging to more collaborative workspace now to enterprise applications, fully mobile. The word smack comes to mind, which I think you're all familiar with, social mobile analytics cloud as the next architecture almost for computing. Maybe the federal government's a little bit behind industry going there, but that's where we're headed. So why don't we start with where you all see the state of mobility and mobile computing in government right now, and from there we'll, we'll go deeper into how you manage all of this. Uh, Hildy, why don't we start with you? Yeah, um, you know, in the age of any time, anywhere, um, availability of data, um, it really is important um, that um, data is central and can be accessed from any uh, time. Um, anywhere and also managed, um, so to speak, the enterprise uh, model, um, the cloud. All right, Vincent, I know you've studied this a lot. A little bit. So uh, I believe mobility today in the federal government is, is definitely maturing. Uh, we've gone from a state of, you know, uh, mobile device management and enterprise mobility management capabilities that have sort of matured um, and, and sort of, I wouldn't say plateaued, but hit a peak where now we have to define what's the next piece, right? In the federal space, uh, mobile applications and application security, uh, various new threats that are out there are, are really coming to fruition and, and coming to the forefront. I think it's, you know, age of applications and how is the enterprise mobility management solutions actually going to deliver that and provide in a secure way. So we're, we're getting past, I think, finally getting to the point where we can get past the identity portion of it and securely authenticate. Um, and it's really going to come to how is it impacting our mission. So definitely we've been waiting for quite some time, I think, as a whole. Uh, and it's, it's an area that will continue to progress. So we have an application challenge and we have a cybersecurity challenge for that next plateau. Yes. Okay. Jake. Yeah, so, so Tom, first, thanks for having me. And I, I totally agree with Vincent, right? There's a... There's an application challenge in that um, for our program, we provide a platform. The platform is there, it's mature. Um, we need more application owners actually creating mobile instances of their application. Um, that's, that's where you see the benefit of mobility, right? Uh, the device is more than just for telephony and email. Uh, any workflow that you do today can be enhanced um, through the use of apps and agreed on the enterprise security side. Um, very interested in our program at looking at more robust security, not just management, because there's a difference between management and security, um, to, to really respond to the mobile threats. So given here. the thousands of applications, way more than people wish that the typical agency has, especially the DOD agencies the, and the armed services, there, it seems like it's an opportunity for winnowing down to the applications that really matter the most. You can't yes. port everything to mobile. Yes, you can't, port, you can't port everything to mobile. And what we're seeing is we're seeing a good amount of applications actually come through our vetting process to be put on the platform, um, technically introduced into our mass. But then there's times when you look at the everyday applications you use in the DOD, the travel application, and you wonder why that one hasn't been mobilized yet. Um, uh, just some, some and, and you look at some of these applications you, and you think, just like mobile, you don't have to put every function in the application, just the 12 that everyone uses almost every day when you go in there. So, so that's where I'm excited about to, to, to work with program managers and say, hey, how can I help you uh, create a mobile uh, platform, a, a mobile uh, version of your app, whether we're talking about mobile web or we're actually saying a native uh, mobile built application. Got it. Okay. And Dave, from the civilian side, GSA has a really broad view of this. Sure, we do. Um, so we, uh, you know, both as the GSA IT 
working for our internal customers and then the Federal Acquisition Service and providing that uh, full scope of services from acquisition to property management to technology transformation with our three staff offices. It's really important that uh, as we modernize uh, our back-end infrastructure and our technologies from networking, moving, uh, like you mentioned, SMAC into the cloud, you've got to provide that mobile-first architecture um, that the clients demand. We have, you know, if you look at analytics.usa.gov, 45% of all uh, site visits across the federal government are with mobile devices of some form. And so you can't ignore that. It has to, has to be part of your DNA to look at that. Uh, to Jake's point, you know, maybe an application that you self-build doesn't have, you know, 99 of the, of the 200 or of the 100 uh, feature sets, but, uh, you know, 15, 20 uh, commercials do that as well. Uh, same thing with the website design. It doesn't have to have every nook and cranny. I but guess the implication is that as the world goes mobile and does everything mobile, government's got to be dragged along, yeah, maybe to put it that way. <laughs> or, or first. I, I think, or I think first. there's opportunities where government leads in, in, in many cases, and it allows um, companies to provide different uh, markets that they for their own commercial entities that they didn't have before. Okay, and Sean, of course, from Mobile Iron, you see the commercial and government overview. Tell us, tell us how government compares and what are the trends you're seeing I in do, mobility. And I, I'm kind of a, a self-professed uh, mobile junkie from from way back. So you know, carrying Palm Pilots attached to cellular so networks. <laughs> so, so I've seen kind of the full progression, and I, I agree with with Dave and, and Jake, and actually Hildy and Vincent as well. I mean, I think that that there's a lot of opportunity to um, kind of mobilize things from a mobile first perspective. I think the challenge that that happens is when you try to approach mobile as you know, legacy IT and you try to just bring a legacy IT application onto a mobile device, that never works. You have to do it the other way around. Everything has to be thought of mobile first. Um, and, and I would argue that you know, port is not the right word. I wouldn't use the word port, but everything that you can do, you know, that you do today in IT will be done on mobile because you know, hopefully now and 18 months from now, we won't even call this mobile anymore. We'll just call it compute because that's what it is. So how would you say the government is on a scale of 1 to 100, 1 um, to 100 there? So I think Dave's right. I think there are some areas where the government is kind of leading the charge. I think, you know, when you look at, at derived credentials and certificate-based authentication, the government understands PKI really well because we've kind of lived it, breathed it, fought the battles. Um, public sector um, understands that. Private sector doesn't understand PKI as well. So some of the challenges around, you know, no password on mobile devices, um, they don't, you know, that's a foreign concept in a lot of cases. So they, they don't understand the, the PKI infrastructure implications like government does. I think there's some some challenges for government with with uh, policy paralysis and and some things kind of getting in the way of being able to just open up wide and being able to kind of accept and embrace mobile the way it needs to be embraced. Um, I know Vincent and all you know we all kind of fight those battles every single day. So so that's that's a challenge. But you know I think that right now we're at a good point because there's a psychology to mobile where it's it's a younger population. So you look at agencies who are hiring; they're always hiring people who are coming in who are younger who have this kind of preconceived notion of what mobility is to them, and they're going to force the change because they're not going to take the you know the legacy laptop. They're not going to take the legacy web application. They want you know Snapchat. They want Slack. They want the things that they they're used to using, and we all have to. To accommodate that. Okay, so let's uh, talk about the endpoints for a moment because mobility, you still have computers, whether it's mobile or sitting on the desktop. And for decades since the client server movement, let's say, came in uh, right, right after mini computers, we thought, can we network all these PCs? You recall those days. And then we had the client server architecture, and I guess you'd call it the system center orientation for handling endpoints. That all changes completely with mobile, especially as we, as we become primarily mobile. So what are the challenges in systems management and point management as these things become integral to the system and not just something out there added on? Anybody? I guess. So um, I'll just make a note, and then uh, we, we have a paper going to Congress that will be really helpful. But, uh, there's there's a difference between a, a workstation endpoint versus a mobile device, and there's different rules around it. So um, we have, in the case of a laptop, you know, we can't just install anything we want, right? Um, that there's configuration, there's there's policy there, there's a lot of things, security layer, there's endpoint protection, host-based security system. There's there's a whole bunch of, of things that we control. We we manage the network through a trusted internet connection. We have a lot of things built in, layered defense for. A, a laptop or, or desktop. For a mobile device, um, if you look at the policy, you look at the rules around it, um, 
there isn't much. At all. There's, there's some guidance, I'll say, coming from this, like 800-124 and some other documents uh, with MDM integration. But like CIOs and, and others, they just don't see, in my opinion, I'm not sure that people quite understand that this is just an extension of your network and your enterprise data. Um, it's still accessing similar databases. And so there's a distinct difference on managing these endpoints, especially when uh, these endpoints really don't have the same requirements, right? If uh, you look at the authentication requirements for mobile, uh, the hardware uh, requirements, and just how we actually implement and use it, there, is, there isn't a layer defense or endpoint protection requirement. You look at FISMA, you look at other things that we have in place, um, it's geared towards the desktop and the workstation. So just noting straight off the bat that the policy and the requirements are different. Trying to get uh, folks to do the right thing and secure it because there's a real threat out there is is hard still because you don't have the policy and the, pe the pieces in place. You might have the technology, which is great. Um, so when we look at this, I mean, I'll say that, you know, in the sense of DHS S&T, we continue to innovate these aspects, whether it's in mobile device security or application security and eventually network infrastructure. Uh, we, we look at those problems and try to solve that. And, you know, for me and myself personally, you know, working in mobility for quite some time and in cooperation with NIST, um, we've tried to even put things into FISMA. So now, hey, it's a requirement. Like, don't, no more are we asking CIOs to do the right thing, but we're saying, hey, it's a part of the requirement. Um, you should do this. Um, and so bringing awareness is important, um, but also having the right policy and, and requirements in place will be very useful going forward. Okay, and Vincent mentioned 800-124, was it? The uh, special yes, publication so at NIST? Right, and this is a document for um, enterprise um, wise mobile device uh, management and um, it looks into how the enterprise um, what to look forward to and how the enterprise can um, secure or manage um, mobile devices and in general without uh, these are long documents without reciting it what are the two or three major principles that people should learn and, and be, pay attention to when and when they read every word of 800-124? Again, it's an approach for an, um, an enterprise um, approach so that um, the um, securing the mobile devices, maybe use different networks, um, uh, evaluate um, what data is going to be accessed, and then from there, um, how to secure your mobile device or recommendation on how to secure, secure it and maybe not allow, uh, have selective access to certain data but not um, others. So that kind of a tunneling or se uh, separation. Sure. Yeah. Enterprise Mobility Management uh, or MDM uh, before it is uh, is really about configuration management and mm -hmm. policy enforcement. So, you know, best practices on how you do that and, and the, the NIST guidance that's out there, uh, very, very great and useful for folks within government and outside. Sure, and uh, Jake Hildy said something that's important that's been implied but hasn't been stated here, and that is there's no Ethernet cord going right. to the mobile device. There are one, two, possibly three different networks right. in between that device and your data. So. Right man in the middle, Lord knows what can happen in between there. And DISA as the circuit supplier, pardon the old-fashioned expression, to the federal, to the, to the military, right. uh, what are the implications of that, of that right. so, lack so, of So I, I, I talk about this all the time, right? Um, wh whether we're talking about the unclass programs or the classified mobility programs, and um, a key part of the network in any mobility system is a um, and I'm going to forget my great keyword I have, but it's it's basically um, unguaranteed uh, public networks that provide a portion of your transport. The Starbucks phenomenon, right? The Starbucks phenomenon, and even even the carrier, the commercial carrier, right? For which um, our best indication of quality is these little four bars um, that you have that you know just really they don't. They, they tell you, they give you some indication, right? But they don't tell you if you have a good enough signal to run this service, right? So, so um, I, I'd agree with Vincent um, in saying that, yes, the policies have to catch up. Um, I, I think this is a great time because I think we're, we're more aware of it. Um, I remember a time, and I'm going to date myself, when I had a DOD 
computer that was connected to a network that didn't have any management on it or any antivirus because that's what we did at the time. So I think now we're cognizant. Um, we're, we live in a different time and risk. Um, everyone has. You, 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 I lived in a time also when I may have had a desktop on my, on my work desk, but maybe not one at home. So you're, you're, you know, people understand mobile because uh, any of us who have a work device have a second device as well. Um, so yes, the policies they have to keep up. Um, mobile devices are rich, much richer devices than our initial PCs were as well, right? There's just a ton of sensors. There's a camera. There's a GPS. There's, um, and then from a compute perspective, it's it's always thinking for me, right? It tells me where I, where I think it needs to be, right? So, um, in, in in this case, right, the the evolution and the maturation of the security, um, and you know, we are we are just now at the point where we know we have to actually push the policy and leverage the the best of breed of software. All right, let's uh, stop on that note. We're going to take a short break and continue with that because I want to hear from the GSA side on this. My guests today are Hildy Ferriolo, computer scientist at NIST. Vincent Stridipan is program manager for mobile security R&D at Homeland Security Science and Technology Directorate. Jake Marcellus is the mobility portfolio manager at the Defense Information Systems Agency. Dave Harrity, associate CIO for enterprise infrastructure and operations at the GSA. And Sean Frazier is Chief Technical Evangelist for the Public Sector at Mobile Iron. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This discussion is Managing Mobility to Deliver Anywhere, Anytime Government, sponsored by Mobile Iron here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Mobile Iron is the leading provider of EMM solutions to federal agencies worldwide. With Mobile Iron, government agencies can ensure protection of sensitive data on agency-issued and employee-owned mobile devices. Focused on government-grade high-security environments, Mobile Iron is FedRAMP authorized and offers derived credentials within trust for government agencies wanting the ability to protect sensitive data while eliminating the need for passwords and hardware tokens. Find out more at mobileiron.com government. Welcome back to our panel discussion, Managing Mobility to Deliver Anywhere, Anytime Government, sponsored by Mobile Iron here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. I'm your moderator, Tom Tammen. Our guests today are Dave Harrity, Associate CIO for Enterprise Infrastructure and Operations at the GSA. Sean Frazier is Chief Technical Evangelist for the Public Sector at Mobile Iron. Hildy Ferriolo is Computer Scientist at NIST. Vincent Surtipan is Program Manager for Mobile Security R&D at Homeland Security's Science and Technology Directorate. And we have Jake Marcellus, Mobility Portfolio Manager at the Defense Information Systems Agency. And before the break, we were talking about the idea and the, the implications of the important idea that mobile devices are not plugged into the Ethernet that we're so used to controlling. And Dave, at GSA, there's a portfolio of programs and even bureaus that deal with wireless and uh, plans and mobility. So how does all that get integrated into the management of mobility given this extra network or multiple networks as we discussed? Great question, Tom. So uh, mobile and wireless are very much hand-in-hand -hand and work in partnership at GSA. So we have um, the ability through having secured wireless systems both for our guests separately than from our employees. So that allows us to you know go in between meetings, uh, even work in the hallway as long as we look up before we run into something, um, as you see often. Um, but uh, So we have the ability to be just as fluent working while we're in the office anywhere, literally anywhere within the building. And we also have a large hoteling presence in many of our buildings. So mm -hmm. people work where they want to work, on site or at home or wherever else, uh, and they're able to just seamlessly move in between each one. So it's very key to have wireless, um, and, you know, blatantly Wi-Fi uh, established to help our mobile devices. Um, you know, jokingly, if you've seen the Maslock hierarchy of needs, there's um, people who have edited it and created Wi-Fi and battery strength as kind of the, the other two uh, requirements for a mobility workforce. So, sure. you know, we use it um, quite successfully to do editing uh, documents, reviewing them um, very quickly, doing collaborative editing, and having that documentation management piece to be able to do more than just email and really um, get the business done uh, to the next step of the next employee. 
Uh, and I guess and also if you're talking about this constant work and movement as people actually are in their daily work lives, there's the question, I guess it's solved mostly, but it wasn't always, and that is the state has to hand off from network to network so you don't end up re-logging on and starting over when you move right. through the different zones or the different Wi-Fi hotspots. Yeah, so the commercial providers, you know, I've literally edited a document on my mobile device and then sat down at my desk and see where my cursor is from my mobile device, and then I can just seamlessly go onto my laptop and edit that document from that point on on my laptop and then switch back to mobile and, and vice versa. And if I wanted to, I could do it on a tablet and so on and so forth. So it's really great to, to you know, just pick up where you left off, literally, um, but not with the same form factor. So, Sean, how do the state-of-the-art in managing all of this take into account the multiple networks uh, in that model of no plug? Uh, so the beauty of it is it's all kind of built in, right? That's why we all do mobile is, is um, you know, we... It, we're kind of beat over the head from from a consumer perspective of ease of use, right? So it's it's forced the the technology from the ground up, literally from from the carrier chip all the way up through the operating system, through to the application, to the user, to be cognizant of what that is. So you don't have the problem where you go from site A to site B, and I've got to relog into my VPN, and oh by the way, that might need a smart card or it might need a password or all these different things. So mobile mobile kind of takes all of that into account. And it forces all of us to take that into account, too, as we build things for users. So I think that's one of the interesting things that's, that's kind of happening now and driving in the commercial side is we're seeing a, a, a ton of commercial products being kind of enterprise-enabled. Uh, Facebook is the latest example, right? So Facebook Workspace, which is now Facebook for enterprise. So they're going to go compete with Microsoft and all these other guys, uh, Slack and everybody who are building things for inside the organization using technology that, that's been vetted. You know, at a much larger scale on the consumer side, and also takes that thing into account where you know I'll be able to very seamlessly and fluidly be wherever I need to be and communicate with anybody. Yeah, that's all we need, I guess, is corporate Facebook. <laughs> that would really be fun in federal agencies. Or the security guy will say, "Oh, that's all I need." Yeah, and I guess one of the things we've been implying here is the importance of the cloud in the whole mobility in the smack model, in the mobility model, uh, cloud is, is fundamental to this. And of course, the government has been struggling, I, my word, but they have been adopting cloud probably at a somewhat slower pace than people hope, but nevertheless, it is coming on. Hildy, does the mobility management guidance take into account the cloud part of this? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, it is essential that, um, you know, the cloud infrastructure is there because, as Sean was saying, as you have your, all your data, your documents, your email in one place, and that then enables you to access from this device, that device, laptop. Without that infrastructure in place, um, it wouldn't be possible. So, and um, NIST is uh, definitely, um, um, well, we are um, very cloud aware and we have specification out um, around the cloud. On cloud too. Well, yeah, well, there is also the um, FedRAMP mm -hmm. as well um, that um, specifies what, uh, to, to what level security. Um, a solution um, is validated, and that gets uh, gives department and agency assurance um, to, um, and trust in using a cloud solution. Yeah, we should talk about FedRAMP for a moment because the implication was it's all to save money, but it really enables a lot more of uh, the cloud than simply reducing your data centers. Yeah, so there's a great opportunity with uh, with FedRAMP and the lightweight ATO process that's come about and the accelerated. Uh, Authority to operate. There's a lot of vendors, obviously, that uh, you know serve our marketplace, and uh, and we need their products and services. And so, the FedRAMP process allows that on-ramp, literally, um, to get into that uh, to that market space and, and provide us, if it's conferencing and collaboration solutions, very software as a service. I think FedRAMP originally was kind of uh, infrastructure as a service and platform as a service. It's really moving into the software where the business value is immediate upon you know purchase and acquisition and now you have opportunities to really do bake-offs between um, you know if it's a project management collaboration tool now you've got three or four or five or even much more vendors that are FedRAMP approved also used um, uh, at various agencies and then you can use that as you know as part of your cost esti cost estimates or your evaluation criteria uh, you know what worked go back to other agencies and said what worked for you here what didn't work for you both 
inside of the cybersecurity space and outside from just a usability of the product line. So we really now have built an infrastructure or an ecosystem we can live in for right. this whole cloud yeah, deal. It's more than just, um, back in the day, apps.gov and other portals would show you this is available in the marketplace, but it was not necessarily FedRAMP approved at that point. So now that's becoming more and more uh, almost just another layer or, or part and parcel with um, being in the marketplace. So okay. as the only vendor guy at the table who has gone through the FedRAMP process, um, I will tell you that it's an investment. So it's an investment of time, energy, money, and all the things you have to do, but it's been an invaluable investment, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Not only does it allow us to gain trust, because there's, a, there's an element of trust of, of having to go through the process, but even on the commercial side, we learned a, a ton by going through that process that we took that and put that back into the, into the system and said, okay, on a commercial cloud, these are things that we really should be doing anyway. This should be the baseline, even beyond FedRAMP. So I imagine going through that whole process maybe helped the company because you probably learned things about yourself Absolutely. and real requirements in the real world that maybe you know you might not have uh, as easily accessed. And Jake, of course, DISA has been on a parallel cloud journey to GSA and the rest of the civilian side for a number of years now, and that has really evolved a great deal. Uh, and you know, so my question was relative to say the mega centers that DISA. I guess there's still a few of them left. Uh, and as Heidi uh, Hildy said, their, their uh, mobility is enabled by cloud. What's the difference between cloud and your own data center uh, with respect to supporting mobility and mobility management? Right, so, so generally, um, I'd say it comes down a lot of times to cost, right, and uh, agility. So um, sometimes we want to look outside of what we already have and what we're already using because we can spin up um, data or, you know, and, and it's usually storage for us, right? So um, sometimes it is the software as a service or platform, but it's generally uh, storage uh, quicker than we can do it ourselves. Um, with a FedRAMP and DOD impact levels to, to put our own layer on top of it, approved vendor at the prescribed um, needed requirement level, right? So that's generally what it is. But yes, the mobility device, um, as, as, as Hildy said, um, it's, it's, you know, we don't want to make it harder. We want, we want a customer to have access to the data that they already use today. And being a service provider, right, I don't connect to one infrastructure for one agency, right? We sell to multiple agencies. So it's, it's been a little bit of a challenge to uh, understand, you know, what is, you know, where should we offer a content store to our customer? So, and we're still working those. I mean, in some ways, the ultimate customer, the warfighter, has always been a mobile thing. Uh, it wasn't too many years ago that they still had to drag trailers with mainframes and big generators out to the field just behind the lines to be able to power the information systems needed. But now you see mobile, as we understand it, developments and deployments all over the military. So I imagine the cloud uh, aspect of DISA has been supporting that Yes. Either directly or indirectly. Yes. So last week I actually um, got the privilege of visiting uh, a signal battalion of, of a um, of a ex-officer that served at, at DISA recently and uh, it was it was great to see um, them set up their their tactical setup and basically access cloud services that DISA offers, right, um, in order to complete their mission. Um, and I think me and some of my cohorts from the trip, we, we were amazed on how, um, how lightweight they have become because cloud services, uh, cloud-based services, right? And many of these were in the private data center cloud, right? But they were made available to them and the service quality was actually pretty good because the networks were actually good. So, um, and, and, and what was very interesting is I was able to use one of my mobile devices and use some of the same data services that they were able to use with their tactical setups. So that, that kind of proved out the fact that if you have the data in the cloud, you know, the any device, anywhere, um, it, 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 it exists. It works, so it's, <laughs> it's lightweight both at the unit level and also at the individual level in some ways, if you can get rid of weight that people carry. Yes. And that's, that's true for all of us that go from pl right. point A to point B. And multiple copies of the same data, right? So you don't need multiple copies of the same data. If you have assured um, access, right, to robust storage services, right, and applications. Right, there's another aspect to this mobility management and this delivering government anywhere, anytime aspect and that we've talked about the networks and we've talked about the cloud. It's also the operating systems 
something that needs to be delivered to people and yet also managed uh, to deliver this uh, services anywhere. And so we're into an era of not only multiple networks, but we've got multiple operating systems because uh, under whether it's BYOD or government provided, there's at least two choices. So everybody has possibly one or two mobile operating systems. And then you've got laptops and desktops, and there could be multiple versions of the OSs there. What is the, how, how does all that result in better, or how, how can you apply better mobility management to control that aspect of, of, of the whole picture? So I'll give you a vendor perspective. Um, the goal is to make it as seamless as possible. So, so the operating system underneath, really, that's a user preference for one reason or another, but at the end of the day, it's all about the applications and the data they need to access. So it's a, incumbent upon us, and by us I mean Mobile Iron and folks like us, um, to abstract that layer as much as possible. So when you want to do something on, on an Apple platform or an Android platform or a Windows platform that from a usability perspective and an end user perspective, they look and kind of feel the same. Yeah, you know, throughout the federal government, we've had cloud first, shared first, mobile first. It's really, at the end of the day, it really is application first. You know, what what is really providing you the business value and the mission for you to accomplish your job? It's usually some type of tool set, either homegrown or commercially based. And at the end of the day, that's where you need to focus your resources, both um, to make it mobile-centric, which is really just user-centric at this point. Um, it's not a, you know, are you going to support mobile? It's it's just part of the DNA, I think, for most federal agencies now. Um, and to do that well, you have to, you know, secure the network, secure the transport, secure the data. You know, an example of uh, DOD and, other, and others, I think you, you may have places where you don't want the data to reside on a mobile device, but you at least want that window of pain to see the data that you're looking at while it's still stored thousands of miles away. Uh, we have that same requirement mission, too. So being able to edit documents that are still remain inside the cloud, but you're seeing it on your mobile device. You don't necessarily have to have that file resident downloaded in your mobile device taking up you know, storage. Right, so that means you have to really be careful about the architecture and where processes execute, which may not be directly on this operating system or that one, but on some virtual layer that also controls display and storage. Just to be clear, when you're talking the, the cloud piece, right, um, I know there's FedRAMP and that, that's a great piece. And depending on how you use it, though, you might have that infrastructure as a service or platform that you are approved. But once you throw software on top of it or even how you utilize it, so you might have a, a golden seal of approval, um, you know, the use of cloud and mobile, like I can build a spin up a mobile app or develop one in a cloud service, right, and have that be provided to me. The database itself, the API, those are all standard, right? Um, however, how you, what encryption you use, um, what you use to authenticate, um, how you control everything, that is different. And th those things were things like NIAP come into place, the uh, National Information Assurance uh, Partnership. So that's the DOD side. But you're going to see different methods of using mobile and then using applications and, and how that's going to come back to you from a security conscientious type of decision. Um, so. yeah, I'd agree with Vincent so, um, and, and Sean. So from a customer's perspective, we try to keep them um, out of the differences, right? But it's definitely from a program office um, and working with the vendors, there are times when um, we just accept the fact that, you know, the different OSs treat things differently, right? And we, we, we try to make, you know, get the both, you know, the lowest com common denominator um, to just kind of get the results to work somewhat of the same, right? Sometimes it works, sometimes it, it doesn't work, and we have to have different, you know, uh, policies or different ways you do things on one platform versus the other. Um, I, I think we went to a conference uh, about six months ago, one of my leads, and the feedback was, well, don't try to make them the same. Just accept that they're different um, and, and where they're different, um, you know, uh, ex basically live with, it. live with it. Right. All right. We're going to take a break on that note and return to some other points we want to make sure we cover today. Uh, our guests today are Sean Frazier. He is the chief technical evangelist for the public sector at Mobile Iron. Dave Harrity is Associate CIO for Enterprise Infrastructure and Operations at the General Services Administration. Jake Marcellus, Mobility Portfolio Manager at the Defense Information Systems Agency. Vincent Stridapan is Program Manager for Mobile Security R&D at Homeland Security Science and Technology Directorate. 
and Hildy Ferriolo, computer scientist at NIST. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This discussion is Managing Mobility to Deliver Anywhere, Anytime Government, sponsored by Mobile Iron, here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Mobile Iron is the leading provider of EMM solutions to federal agencies worldwide. With Mobile Iron, government agencies can ensure protection of sensitive data on agency-issued and employee-owned mobile devices. Focused on government-grade high-security environments, Mobile Iron is FedRAMP authorized and offers derived credentials within trust for government agencies wanting the ability to protect sensitive data while eliminating the need for passwords and hardware tokens. Find out more at mobileiron.com government. Welcome back to our panel discussion, Managing Mobility to Deliver Anywhere, Anytime Government, sponsored by Mobile Iron here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. Our guests today are Hildy Ferriolo, computer scientist at NIST. Vincent Stridipan is program manager for Mobile Security R&D at Homeland Security's Science and Technology Directorate. Jake Marcellus is Mobility Portfolio Manager at the Defense Information Systems Agency. Dave Harrity is Associate CIO for Enterprise Infrastructure and Operations at the General Services Administration. And Sean Frazier, Chief Technical Evangelist for the Public Sector at Mobile Iron. And I want to talk about the idea of systems modernization. This is something every federal agency faces. It's a concern uh, of the Obama administration. It has become a concern of the Trump administration, and it's certainly a concern of Congress. There's various bills. But it seems to me that modernization involves applications and data centers and lots of things, depending on the context. But in all cases, it's probably safe to say that the new SMAC mobile uh, computing paradigm, if you want to call that, or architecture, has got to be part of modernization. So if you would comment on how we go forward with what is already the infrastructure of the federal government with an eye toward that future mobility that we all envision. Yeah, so I think IT modernization comes in a a couple steps, right? In the sense of, you know, you have opportunity in the case of mobile. I mean, mobile's where we're going, but the idea of developing something once and having it cross-platform, being deployed all over the place, having a a back-end as a service, you know, mobile implementation so that I can securely connect to legacy infrastructure and databases. Um, So you're going to see that there's an approach of embracing mobility and doing it in such a way that's both smart and efficient and economically feasible, right? So the the other aspect, though, is that you're going to have to deal with legacy systems, right? Some things that are just hard to maintain, um, and they really want to move and just shift over. But the migration, uh, you know, integration, all of that comes at an expense, time, resources that go with it. So planning that out, figuring out how we build and move forward to mobility, I mean, that's going to be critical on how IT modernization will go forward. Um, and, And also the aspect of security, right? So the last piece I'll say that when you think about how we've done legacy IT, how we've done IT today, you know, we, we do have that layered defense aspect. And I think IT modernization gives us opportunity to bring, you know, the same levels of, of security and understanding that we have already established well-rooted in, in our IT infrastructure and have the same types of um, requirements with funding, right, for mobile as you go forward. So now we're going to be able to do our mission better, uh, more efficient, effective ways, but also look at the sense that it's still secure, right, so... So if you were to say to a contractor or to some sort of systems integrator that you want to modernize this legacy system, this COBOL system, whatever the logic in it is, if you were to say, but we really, the most important thing is a mobile front end to this because this is the way the world is moving, this is the way we want want our employees to work and our citizen constituents to work, then you would almost start with mobile, move backwards, and then you would push the legacy stuff out the back door. Potentially. Uh, it, it really depends on the data set, right? So depending on how sensitive the data is, how I can actually port it over, some things just can't be. So you might need some middleware in, in the middle to, to interpret or make that transition over. Sometimes some people just make the leap of faith and say, hey, you know, forget the old data. I'm going to purge it. I'm going to start new and fresh. Um, those are the types of decisions that CIOs and other IT leaders are going to have to make. Jake, what's your perspective? Yeah, so I'll talk about it um, in a little bit of a context of the device. And what, the way I, I see this is, what is the right platform for me to just do my job more effectively? So uh, last week, uh, I had a discussion with some folks who do enterprise property management. And they talked about having in, uh, basically specialized devices that 
do barcodes. And they said, hey, Jake, um, I think we can probably build an app to do that and um, replace the 1,500 devices, specialized devices that we have. And I said, well, wow, wouldn't that be great? And I said, well, what's your workforce like that does this type of work? Well, well, it's about tenfold of the devices that we have. And I said, well, wouldn't it be great to just you know, replace that functionality with an app since we already know that the handheld mobility device already has the functions that can do scanners? And so, so that's the type of innovation you know, that we see with modernization because, uh, you know, because a device that costs a fraction that's multi-purpose that a person may already have can do an additional function, it saves money. I mean, just, just all aspects of efficiency seem to be there. So that, that's, that's one of the things, right? What's the right device for you and how does it how does it improve your, yeah, your plus job? Plus, there's already 25,000 barcode reading apps out there. Yes. You don't even have to develop one. You right. can just pick one and, and kind of make it safe. And, Hildy, before we get to you, I want to ask Dave on the civilian side. You, there's many vehicles for modernizing uh, and services related there, too, from GSA. How does mobility get baked into what agencies are doing? So a lot of the vendors that we have across both our GSA contracts and others, as soup, so on, have... Uh, built into their structures, uh, mobile is part of their playbook. It's part of our playbook, typically um, across, I would say, all civilian sectors to put in uh, requests related to um, agile development. We're going more, we're going less from this large behemoth kind of, uh, you know, I want this at the end of two years to I want delivery within three months of, you know, award and small incremental development. So. Uh, part of that can be certainly can be mobile, so you don't have to be mobile day one, and you can you can quickly iterate with agile development to create solutions, create features, and transition that modernization from legacy. You don't have to have potentially you might have two, um, both the old and the new, and slowly migrate that over as long as you can possibly maintain it as cost neutral or cost negative, particularly if the new platform with open APIs and a lot of open source technologies allow you to have lower cost, higher uh, throughput, and provide value at a very rapid pace compared to legacy uh, modernization uh, tactics that are used. Okay, and so Hildy, what does NIST tell us uh, in terms of modernizing mobility security as a complex? Yeah, it's a complex um, topic um, just to make sure that um, I think sometimes it's missing is the value add um, to show um, your CIOs, your um, your management that um, the value add and, and uh, savings that can be obtained um, by modernization as well. Um, also, planning is very important to, um, as David is saying, to do maybe in, in tandem implementation of it. So both uh, are the old and the new way are still possible um, at the same time and then taking it step by step um, as well. All right, yeah, so yeah, that does relate to what Dave said. We don't have to boil it all today, but right. you, have a, you have an architecture and an end state in mind and you go agilely through that. Yeah, I think that's the, the key that they said is moving, you know, agile, moving quickly and being able to look at those things. You know, Jake brought up a good point, being able to, to kind of mobilize these things discreetly as you see them. So as you see, you know, kind of something that's a legacy application that you need access to, being able to say from a, from a mobile perspective and look at that application and say, okay, how quickly can I get this to a mobile device and, and kind of modernize that. And those are all, all the things that are inside your control, and, and people are making kind of build versus buy decisions all the time about do I go and build this, or do I go to the app store and buy this, or get it maybe even get it for free, and then there's the whole implication of how do I support that and secure that. But those are the kinds of conversations, at least in the private sector, that folks have been having for five or six years because it comes down to cost, it comes down to delivering services quickly. And when you say app store, that gets to another question which we've discussed in another context, and that is uh, cybersecurity access derived credentials, how you log on with mobile devices, because many apps are not allowed in the sandbox that is the federal space on a mobile device, and there's all sorts of technologies to make sure cut and paste and emails and so forth can't cross that, that membrane of the sandbox, if you will. So I want to talk about log on credentials and how that all changes in the mobile context, because I know DISA is 
I guess, was charged by uh, the former DOD CIO, time to get rid of the CAC, you know, altogether. And, well, you know, that could be a 10-year effort. Um, but you've got to start somewhere, just like we said earlier on, on modernization. So what about gr- derived credentials and the whole idea of your device and the cybersecurity model for it? I can start off. We, we started a couple of years ago um, with a soft cert pilot, right, which was basically a side-loaded credentials. And I'm, I'm happy to report um, <clears throat> late last year we started with the uh, purebred program, which is a uh, over-the-air push of a credential. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's a great thing uh, because it allows all of our 60,000-plus uh, users to actually have a credential, right? Because without a credential, um, you, you can't authenticate into anything, right? We understand username and password is just just is, is, is prohibited, right? Um, as, as well as look, li- looking at things like uh, being able to send and receive encrypted emails, right? Very important uh, aspect of, uh, our, of our unclassed program. Um, the one thing we are interested in is uh, more enhanced um, dual factor authentication, right? Using uh, some of the technologies that exist today, and some that we're excited that are that we're hearing that will be coming out in the future on chips, right? Uh, more robust uh, fingerprint scanners and iris scanners, um, so so we can actually get to the the, the true dual. Yeah, this factor. dual factor, I guess typically the model is the fingerprint and maybe the uh, the code that is sent from a server. Uh, even you know Google sends that kind of thing, or RSA, that, that model. Are those going to be our favorite two factors, or what else could be coming into the picture here, Dave? Well, I think you know, the trust with um, the various opportunities that offer the drive credentials. So there's software-based capabilities um, where it's very seamless. One, you know, it might be one and done uh, for a period of 60 days, 90 days, whatever, to, that gives you, a, you know, high reasonability that the person who's got this device in their hand is that person that you want to have that device in their hand. Um, and so you have uh, SD microcard, uh, microchip cards, uh, you have USB uh, credentials. And so, you know, the burden is not to have it where every time you imagine if we had a, a mobile devices where every time you wanted to read one email, you would do a username and password. We, it would be unacceptable. So that same level of unacceptability is, is now moving into editing a document, um, checking time and attendance, um, making, you know, even localized, it could be a, a shuttle bus schedule um, to go inside of, you know, drive around D.C. Um, from various buildings. And so we've got to make this very easy to use for, for an employee uh, or any staff member for the department and really allow it to just be a very seamless kind of integrated experience um, where you don't have to have, you know, a three-hour training class to be able to use your mobile device. I've heard in the past that if, if, you're, if you need a training program for an app, then it's not an app at all. You know, you need like three sheets, like most commercialized, you download an app, it gives you like three little, this is what I do with little arrows, and then you're, you're kind of left to your own. We need to have that same philosophy. So if it's um, not as easy as Snapchat, it's not as easy. Use it. Yeah, it's, exactly. I mean, yeah. Back to the youth uh, equation, more and more people demand this, uh, and rightfully so, and, and it's our opportunity and our um, our need to deliver that. So, yeah, go ahead. Say, so, so DHS S&T actually does research in this area uh, where we're looking at uh, different types of technology behavioral-based. So you can have the, the derived credential, a soft certificate, whatever you want to put, um, and you can have different factors. So the combination of a multi-factor approach, right, it can also include aspects of behavior. So gate technology, how you walk, how you hold the phone, how you actually press on your phone, and actually the velocity and pressure, depth. Those are the types of aspects that we actually have been investigating um, and actually have different proof of concepts with various performers now. Um, things that come out of the university, things that come out with small or big business. Um, and it's actually an, an aspect where we, we do believe it's going to be a combination of that multi-factor approach. Um, you're going to be able to get away from, hey, well, I have different levels of trust based on a scoring mechanism. I can say if I have a high trust score, then I'm going to have more access, right? If I have a lower trust score, it's an abnormal, someone else took my phone from me. Those are types of things where the phone can automatically detect and you're, not, you're going to get restricted access to you know, email, enterprise email, something like that. 
So it's a great area that sure. hopefully is on the horizon for most of us. So, so on the internet, they really will know if you're a dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, we have just a couple of minutes left. I'd like to just close uh, briefly on what are the overriding system management issues here in the new mobile era and how will the government go about them? We've got about 20 seconds for each person if you want to dive in here. Uh, Sean, why don't we start with you? Sure. Uh, gosh, 20 seconds. Huh? Um, so I think that, you know, we talked about some of the challenges that we've got for mobility. And one is, you know, being able to move fast enough to keep up. So that's one of the other challenges and, and the, the perception or the expectation for our younger workforce to want us to, to move faster. Um, I'll talk a little bit back on drive credentials for a second. I, I think that the, the good news about mobility is the plumbing for all that stuff was already there. So, you know, the PKI stuff was already kind of under the covers. People use it every single day. I mean, my kids who use iPhones use PKI every single day, and I have no idea they're using PKI, which is awesome. Um, the challenge for drive credential was marrying that to the higher identity proofing system, right? So taking that and, and, and kind of proving out the identity based upon the card side and then kind of marrying that to the soft cert. Um, I think the challenge is going to continue to, to be keeping up with the rate of change, securing all of those things. So Vincent talks about a lot of research around identity. I see in San Francisco right now there are probably five new identity providers cropping up, new startups that are all working on identity, behavioral identity, all these kinds of things, because they're looking at what's the next thing after this guy, right? I've got this watch where I, my credit card's on here. Why sure. can't I put my CAC on here? Well, you know, they, these are the kinds of things that, that are going to be, be cropping up. And I think the challenge for all of us is how do I secure it? Because it's going to happen with or without us. So how do we secure it and deploy it? All right. I think we're going to have to end on that note. Uh, I want to thank today's guests. Terrific discussion. Hildy Fariolo is computer scientist at NIST. Vincent Sertipan is program manager for mobile security R&D at Homeland Security's Science and Technology Directorate. Jake Marcellus is Mobility Portfolio Manager at the Defense Information Systems Agency. Dave Harrity, Associate CIO for Enterprise Infrastructure and Operations at the General Services Administration. And Sean Fraser, Chief Technical Evangelist for the Public Sector at Mobile Iron. I'm Tom Temin, Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. You can access this discussion. Simply visit federalnewsradio.com and use the keyword Mobile Iron. Thank you for listening to the panel discussion, Managing Mobility to Deliver Anywhere, Anytime Government, sponsored by Mobile Iron on federalnewsradio.com in 1500 AM. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search Mobile Iron.